We spent the past couple weeks in this Advent season walking through the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1 and 2. And throughout these weeks, we've been looking at words. First, the word hope. And we saw that biblical hope is not a feeling, it's a verb. It's the act of waiting. Like sitting on the edge of your seat in anticipation because you have confidence that the Lord is on the move. That in the tension and the chaos of this world, hope waits because the Lord is on the move. And we have confidence that one day, because of the Lord, this world will never be the same again. And that's good news worth waiting for. We also talked about peace. Peace in Hebrew is the word shalom. And it's more than just the absence of conflict. Biblical peace is just the way things ought to be. When someone says peace to you, shalom to you, it's not peace. (laughs) It's may everything be with you as the Lord intended from the beginning. It's beautiful. But we saw last week that God's peace by its very nature invites conflict and division because when my will for my life comes into conflict with the Father's will for my life, when my way of the world comes into conflict with God's shalom for me and all creation, there is a moment of crisis. There's a decision that has to be made. Pursue my will or his. So that's where we've been. We've talked about this hope that waits in the tension. We've talked about peace that brings a moment of crisis. So today we're gonna turn to Luke chapter two. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, feel free or just listen along. And we're gonna talk about another word. We're gonna talk about the word joy. Another word that sounds so good and it is so good. But to truly understand biblical joy, we're gonna have to talk about our fear. But don't worry because I'm convinced that fear is actually a good thing. So listen to this. This comes from Luke chapter two. I'm gonna start in verse eight. Luke writes, he says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And so the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels had departed from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we gather to worship, as we sit in this beautifully decorated space, as we hear this incredible music, as we offer our praise and our worship to you, the only one who is worthy of it. The truth is that we do all of this in a world that has not hit the pause button. That the story of the Christ child, the story we are here to celebrate is set in the midst of a messy and broken world. So Father, this morning as we search to find your hope, your peace and your joy, Help us to see that those things can be experienced and known 
even as we walk through a messy and chaotic world. That it's a perspective that we can adopt as we live our everyday life. And that joy isn't really joy unless it's shared with others. So Father, be with us, open our eyes, our ears, our minds, our hearts, that we can receive this story in a fresh way. That we can wrestle with the reality of our fears. That we can hand them to you and you turn them into nothing but pure joy. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. So the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Listen, this is really important. We are not here to talk about happiness. Happiness is fine, is what our culture settles for. But happiness is a temporary response to the circumstances around you. Your happiness comes and goes based on what's happening in your life. We are talking about joy, something much deeper, something lasting. You can have real joy even when the circumstances around you don't make you very happy. We've shared with you the Bible Project videos on hope and on peace. They made one on joy as well. And they explain, they explain the circumstances around the biblical words for joy in, a, in an interesting way. They help us see that those biblical circumstances are often far from what we would consider joyful. They say this, human history isn't just a joy fest. Is life always a joy fest? No, we know that's true. This is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt, not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. Joy is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This is what Jesus means when he says this in Matthew 5, that when people reject and persecute you for following me, rejoice, be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. I know that Paul had those words in his mind when he spoke about his deep and abiding joy even as he sat in a Roman prison waiting for his own execution. Again, quoting from the Bible Project video on joy, he says, Paul believed joy was a gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus' presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable even in the darkest of circumstances. Just like hope, just like peace, joy is a biblical word that is so good, but it is often set in the context of tension, of division, and even of darkness and fear. So quickly this morning, I wanna show you something that happened when the angel brought this good news of great joy. I wanna show you something that's really easy to miss. Because to know the kind of biblical joy that will sustain us through all circumstances in this life we do need to wrestle with our fears. We need to rethink what that word even means. So here we go. This is verse nine. I wanna show you how the new international version says it, the NIV. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were? Terrified. terrified. Okay, so that's not wrong. I'm not here to say the translation's wrong, but I will say it's not complete. Earlier, I read to you from the New American Standard. It reads like this. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord showed around them and they were? Okay, that's better. Now look, there are any number of ways that you could translate this. If I were in charge of translations, maybe I'd go with something like this. And they were afraid with great fear. If I wanted to add a little interpretation to my translation, maybe I'd say it like this. 
The shepherds trembled in fear, fear personified, seized by a great and overwhelming fear. Right? Just like a preacher saying the same thing over and over. <laughs> Listen, that repetition and my little interpretation, I know it sounds dramatic, but it is exactly what the Greek is doing. And let me just show you quickly in Greek this phrase, ephobethesan phobon megon. <laughs> that doesn't matter to you, this does. The first word, if you look, you can see it. The first word is the word phobos. The word for fear or terror, it's where we get our word phobia. But it's used as a verb. The second word, look, it's the word phobos. But this time it's used as a noun. The third word is an adjective, mega. We know that word. Greatness, largeness, intensity, something being more than we can even imagine. So that sentence literally reads, phobos as a verb, phobos as a noun, mega. (laughs) They feared, filled with fear, a lot. (laughs) Listen, this is unique. It's redundant, but that's the point. Redundancy in scripture is always telling you to pay closer attention because you're supposed to notice something. Luke wants us to see in this story that they experienced the same fear twice. And I think now I understand why. Look at the verse again, verse nine. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. Do you see why they experienced twice? They experienced fear twice because they actually experienced two different things. First, the angel of the Lord And then what came next? The glory of the Lord that shone all around them. The angel's appearance to them and the glory of the Lord shining around them. That's why the angels trembled in fear, fear personified, seized by a great and overwhelming fear. And listen, this is nothing new. The glory of the Lord and fear go together all throughout the Bible. And as with all things, it starts all the way in the beginning. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was shalom, real peace, Things were the way things were supposed to be. Humanity lived in right relationship with God, with themselves, with each other, and with all creation. They enjoyed the presence of the Lord without being afraid, without shame, without hesitation. And then came Genesis 3. After an act of disobedience, after sin enters the story, God's glory now instilled fear in broken humans. Because things were no longer as they ought to be. The humans, they were no longer as they ought to be. And they knew it. So they hid from the Lord, afraid, ashamed. And it's been that way ever since. Like, think about it. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you're in a pitch dark room, pitch black, What are you going to do, just physically, what are you going to do if all of a sudden a bright light is shining above you? What are you going to do? Do it. Yeah, you're going to hide your face in your eyes. So for analogy's sake, imagine now that bright light is not just shining down on you, it's coming from underneath you, it's all around you, it's surrounding you. What are you going to do? You're going to hide even more. Think theologically. Lost in sin and shame. What happens when the glory of the Lord shines down on you? And what happens if the glory of the Lord is shining all around you? If you were here a couple weeks, you remember that. That's Martin Luther's definition of sin. 
What I just did is the way Martin Luther defines sin. Humanity turned inward upon itself. And when humans turn in upon themselves, hiding in fear, what can they see? What can they only see? Themselves. Which means that they think about only what? And this is what's wrong with the world. And this is the world that the Christ child came to save. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were afraid with great fear. Now do you see why? But there's good news. Because into our fear, redirecting our fear, comes the announcement of the birth of Jesus, which brings hope. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus brings salvation. Now we can have real peace, shalom. We can have hope, we can have peace, and that leads to pure joy. When my fear is redirected toward the Lord, when I let it reorient me, reform me, when I let it turn me from this into living life like this, the question, the question is how do we do it? Now hang with me for a second because I wanna ask you to rethink this word fear. Think deeply about this word. Think about the possibility that fear can be a good thing, that there can be hope, peace, and joy in our fear. And to understand this, you have to think of fear not as an emotion, not as a reaction, not as an emotional state. Think of it as an organizing principle. And here's what I mean. If you're afraid of heights, what are you going to do? Or what are you not going to do? Yeah. You're not going to climb the tallest towers. You're not going to lean over the edge of the south rim of the Grand Canyon. You're probably not riding many roller coasters. I doubt you're going to consider bungee jumping or skydiving. Why? Because fear is an organizing principle. Your fear causes you to live your life in a certain way. Now look, this can be a bad thing. Wonderful things in this life can be missed because you're afraid, especially if those fears are irrational. But y'all, fear can be a good thing because there are terrible things in this life that can be avoided. Like accidents are rare, but I mean, you're not gonna die because your parachute didn't open if you never jumped out of the plane in the first place, right? Fear can be a good thing. There are some things that we should be afraid of, but there is a difference between living life afraid and walking in fear. Proverbs 9 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. For through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will, re will reward you. Does that sound like fear is a bad thing? No, fear can be the good thing that leads to a long and joyful life, the right kind of fear, directed at the only person who deserves it. Listen, you can live your whole life afraid, and so many of us do. We live our whole life afraid of not being accepted, loved, respected by other people. That can lead to some really unhealthy habits. We all want to belong. We wanna be seen, we wanna be heard, we wanna be known, we wanna be loved, and there's nothing wrong with that. But living in fear of what others think of us or living in fear because we're afraid we won't be accepted by others, that can just lead to a joyless life that's filled with anxiety. 
A life where we're often willing to do destructive things just to win the approval of other people. Chasing the approval and the affection of others eventually can turn you into somebody that you're not. Eventually, maybe you don't even recognize yourself because you're posing, you're playing a part just to be noticed and affirmed. Eventually, maybe you'll lose yourself altogether. For some of you who are a little older, maybe you've dealt with a lot of this. You've got kids and grandkids who are right in the middle of it. But here's the great irony of it all. The people that we often want to impress, the humans whose approval and affection we're striving to win, y'all, they are broken and afraid just like us. They are desperately seeking attention and affection just like us. Don't return that fear with fear. Instead, offer them your hope. Help them find peace. Show them what real joy looks like. You can live life afraid, or you can choose to walk in the fear of the Lord. You can choose to reserve that healthy, organizing fear for the Lord. And when you do that, it's a hard thing to do. But if you'll trust him and if you'll do it, that's where you'll find real joy. Because he is the only one who's not watching and waiting for you to earn his love. He's the only one who's not asking for you to do something so you can earn his attention and his respect. He's the only one who has already declared that you are known, that you are loved, and that you are worth dying for. Because he has chosen to know and love and die for you. You were made in his image. And even though you and I are broken, he has chosen out of his goodness and his mercy to make us new again. I am telling you, when this truth seeks deep into your soul, this truth, we've talked about this all fall. We're seeking to be known and loved by others. But when this truth that we are known, loved, and we are declared worth dying for, not because of anything we've done, but simply because he says we are, when that sinks deep into the core of who you are, into your bones, when you realize that God is the only one worthy of our fear, that healthy fear, that's where you find real joy. And you will naturally share that joy with others because it isn't real joy if it's not shared. This is the kind of joy that caused the angels to sing glory to God in the highest. And quickly before we get to the music, it leads to just one last thing. And I've shared a little version of this at the end of every sermon during Advent because the same little thing happens in every one of these stories. Every time somebody has an encounter with an angel, with the presence of the Lord, with this message about Jesus, they all do the same thing. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. After seeing the Christ child, what did the shepherds do? They told everybody about it. Really quick, and this is kind of a hard truth to wrap up on, but, but can I just tell you a, a quick hard truth? There's a reason the church in our time is hesitant to tell others the good news. There's a reason when I was in seminary and I would fly out for classes in California that I would sit on the plane and I wouldn't read my theology books because I didn't want my neighbor to ask me because I was afraid I'd have to talk to them about Jesus. There's a reason that the church, that Christians are hesitant to tell others the good news. And it's because we're more afraid of others than we are afraid of God. 
We are more afraid of what others will think and say about us. We're more afraid of how they might respond. We're afraid that we don't know enough or aren't articulate enough. We're more afraid of all of that than we are of God. We're more afraid of what somebody will think of us than we are of the despair and the fear that they will live in if they don't know the good news. Y'all telling others about Jesus, it is the natural response of broken humans who have come to a saving faith in him. And again, it isn't truly joy if you're not compelled to share it with others. Y'all, the Christmas story is inviting broken humans to stand up, to turn toward God and to turn toward others, to walk in the kind of fear that leads to true joy, to organize our lives, not to avoid the glory of the Lord, but to be surrounded by it. If we can take the risk, if we can trust that he is good, that is where we will find real hope, real peace, real joy, And next week, Sabrina in the morning will talk about real love. Amen? Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Let me pray. Father, take broken humans. Help us to see your goodness, your mercy, your glory. Help us not to live in fear of others but to live in the joy of the Lord. A joy and a peace that we just can't even understand, a joy that will sustain us through all the hardships and all the troubles that this life has for us. So Father, give us the courage and the strength to trust you, to take our fear and hand it to you and watch as you replace it with pure joy. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all God's people said.